You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. I am going to jump right into our topic. Yesterday, here in the state of Washington, our governor, Governor Inslee, released the phase two rules for salons and offices. Those are kind of some broad categories, which I found were really interesting. And we're going to kind of take a run through what those look like, both for the employers and the employees, and then also in the personal services, it was basically getting your hair done, uh, all that kind of stuff um, for the clients as well. There's some some separate guidelines there. And in the state of Washington, these businesses will be allowed to restart, uh, we think, sometime around the beginning of June. They are phase two, and some of the businesses, some, uh, and it kind of goes on a county-by-county county area basis. There are, I think, 10 counties in Washington right now that are already in phase two. They had very low um, incident of COVID-19 and like either super low or no death toll. So they've been allowed to kind of reopen and they're going through this already. But for the rest of the counties, the bigger counties, especially here, King, Snohomish and Pierce County, phase two is when salons and offices are a go and they are releasing kind of notices now because we are... May the 14th, and that gives us a couple of weeks to possibly reopen. So let's jump on in and see what that looks like. So the first one I'm going to cover is professional services. Actually, no. Yeah, I'm going to cover the professional services. Professional services, and these are the COVID-19 requirements. Professional services is defined as an office-based occupation, so in an office, that typically serves a client base. This includes, but is not limited to, accountants, architects, Attorneys, engineers, financial advisors, information technologists, insurance agents, tax preparers, and other professional service occupations. So just think office, and you've probably covered it. Um, these employer owners may contract with employee service providers to provide these professional services. So it's any business that is structured kind of like what I just described. I'm not going to get into the super specifics of the safety and health requirements as far as where all the guidelines come from, but there's a bunch of departmentofhealth.wa.gov coronavirus workplace that all this information comes from. Um, Each business will be required to post signage at the entrance of their business to strongly encourage their customers to use cloth face coverings when in the store with their staff. That goes for both sets of businesses, and I think you're going to see that across the board. Hey, if you go out in public, if you go anywhere, at least initially, wear a face mask and I'm okay with that. If I know what the rules are, I will follow them. I might not like them, but I'll follow them if I know. But if I'm going into the grocery store and I don't know if I'm supposed to wear a mask, I'm probably not going to wear one because they're kind of annoying. Um, Do I think they have a major impact on this whole deal? No, I don't. Um, I think the virus kind of does its own thing and um, it's going to rip through a population whether it wants to or not. And we've seen that based on areas that have done the whole social distancing versus ones that haven't, the difference isn't that big. I think there's a lot of other factors that go into it too. The age of people, population, the health. I mean, we've, we've kind of seen the data suggest that the overweight people and people with, with health conditions, you know, high blood pressure, 
those are the ones that are getting impacted the most. So this has been a pretty specific virus and it attacks kind of specific populations and people in offices. Um, I don't know. I just, I think you've got to have some safety protocol, but the safety protocol that the state is implementing here and that I'll read through is clearly put in place by politicians and people who have no idea how to run a business because these requirements are so onerous that there's no way you can do anything but day in and day out follow these protocols. That's how restrictive this stuff is, in my opinion. And I don't, I've run a lot of office type businesses um, over the years. And I've never run personal services, I've never run a, uh, you know, a hair salon or a nail place or manicurist or an esthetician clinic. So I know requirements for them are already pretty high anyway, because they come in in contact with the public a lot. Um, on a one-on-one basis, but for you know attorneys and engineers and financial advisors, these are all pretty smart people. I think they can figure out how to keep themselves away from others as best they can without all this super restrictive stuff. So let's see. Um, these are kind of some some general labor and industry COVID nineteen requirements. You must educate your employee and service providers in the language that they understand best about coronavirus. I thought that was interesting because I don't know if you, I don't know. That just seems crazy to me. This is America. I think you should speak English, throw in a little Spanish there, Chinese and the Chinese communities. But for a ton of these different languages, I don't know. How are you going to implement that? That doesn't seem like reasonable, Um, but not my rule. Didn't create the rule. Maintain minimum six foot separation between employee service providers and clients. All right. Yep. I get that one. I think it's arbitrary. It's like six feet. Six feet has always been talked about. Is there any scientific evidence that supports six feet? I don't know. Is there or is this just a broad number? I'm six foot one tall. So take me, put me from foot to head. And yeah, there's six feet. It's not that far, really. But that's what we're going to go with the six feet. When strict physical distancing is not feasible for a specific task, other prevention measures are required, such as use of barriers, minimization of service providers or clients in a narrow, enclosed area and waiting rooms, staggered breaks and work shifts. All right. So how are you really going to monitor that? And what does that mean? It's not really all that clear. Provide personal protective equipment such as gloves, goggles, face shields, and face masks. Is there ever a case where an accountant is going to need a face shield or a face mask? When do you ever have that type of of drill? I've never had that with my accountant, but we're just going to pretend that we're going to go along with it. Uh, You need to use gloves, gowns, capes, goggles, face shields, and face masks as appropriate or required for the activity being performed. All right, so basically figure it out, people. Figure it out, professionals. Cloth facial coverings must be worn by every individual not working alone at the location unless their exposure dictates a higher level of protection under Department of Labor and Industry Safety and Health Rules and Guidance. So I don't have to wear a face mask at home when I'm telecommuting, but I got to wear one at the office even when I am by myself. I don't know. That's going to be a tricky one. I 
think that's probably not going to be recognized by a lot of people. They're going to get into their cubicle and just take off the face mask. That's what I think happens. Um, and you need to re- refer to the coronavirus facial covering and mask requirements. What do you want to bet that we do this stuff just to get reopened and then immediately everybody kind of just goes back to the way it was? Like the first two weeks, maybe, do we have a lot of people going, oh, no, you're five and a half feet away. This is not appropriate. We can't have this. You need to be six feet away. Or where's your face mask shield? This, I think this requires a face mask shield. I don't know. I, I just kind of think that a lot of this stuff is just so unnecessary. Ensure frequent and adequate hand washing. What is adequate hand washing? Or frequent? How often is that? Twice an hour? Once an hour? Before noon and afternoon? I don't know. And with adequate maintenance of supplies, you got to have enough hand soap on hand. You got to have enough paper towels to wash off, wash your hands. Maybe uh, throw in a couple extra of those blower hand dryers. I don't know. Use single use disposable gloves where safe and applicable to prevent transmission on tools and items that are shared and discard after a single use. When I read that, I think of my dental assistant or dentist and they're sticking your hands in your mouth. I get that. And if you're using tools that are being handed around, that's okay. But it looks like this stuff is just being copied and pasted according to all industry because there's never a time where a tax preparer or an insurance agent uses tools other than their computer and pens. And we'll get to pens in a little bit here. Don't worry. You have to establish a housekeeping schedule that includes frequent cleaning and sanitizing with a particular emphasis on commonly touched services. All right, I'm okay with that. So you spray stuff down as needed, keep it clean. Um, Screen employee service providers for signs and symptoms of COVID-19 at the start of the shift. So as your people walk in, you need to do a screening. Make sure sick employee service uh, providers stay home or immediately go home if they feel or appear sick. I don't think you really need to make this a requirement, but like so much of this in here, this is just CYA by the government. Cover your rear end because if there is a second reoccurrence of the coronavirus, The government wants to be able to say, hey, we had this safety protocol in place, but you guys didn't follow it to the letter of the law. Therefore, we can't be held liable. We sent you guys back into the wild to go back to work, and you didn't follow all the protocol right the way we set it up. That's why this happened. When in reality, if this virus comes back, it's going to come back whether we do all this stuff or not. So, but we're going to go through the drill of kind of understanding it. So you have a general idea of what, you know, businesses are up against, because not only are these businesses been out of work for months now, it, I mean, it'll be like three months. Um, you got half of March, you got all of April, May, mainly, uh, and, and if we go back in June, So you've got at least two and a half months for a lot of these companies. These companies are hurting already. And to put this kind of restrictive stuff on them, they're just not going to do it, especially all the stuff that the uh, personal services people have to get into, which is just crazy. And don't even get me started on restaurants because that's just a silly program to begin with where you cut a small margin business down even smaller by capacity. But 
you know, do what we got to do to open up. And then I think we kind of just basically ignore all of this stuff. A site-specific COVID-19 supervisor shall be designated by the employer owner at each business to monitor the health of employee service providers and enforce the COVID-19 safety plan. So you've got to have a COVID-19 supervisor. Does that person get a name tag COVID-19 supervisor? I'm not sure. I think they probably should. And do you want to be that person? No, nobody does. It's probably going to be the owner of each company and they're just going to run through the requirements. Hey, you guys need to follow this. And bottom line is if you're sick, you know, when you feel sick, stay home. Doesn't matter what it is that you're feeling. Just stay home. Take yourself out of circulation. That way, if it gets bad, you don't hit on hit anybody else up with this except your family. And that's that's just common sense. That's what I think a lot of this takes out of the equation is adults being able to think for themselves. So let's keep going. Um, and there, there's some protocols for employee service providers who choose to remove themselves from a location because they do not believe it is safe to work due to the risk of COVID-19 exposure. They're going to have access to certain leave or unemployment benefits. I don't really know what those are. I couldn't really figure out what those are. But um, there's something to do with Proclamation 20-46 with their choice of access to available employer granted accrued leave or employed unemployment benefits. So there's some stuff. If you feel like you're in an environment where you shouldn't be working, you can probably hit up your supervisor and go from there and figure it out. So all professional service businesses are required to comply with the following COVID-19 facility specific safety practices. So this is um, what your office has to do. Um, prior to reopening, all professional service businesses are required to develop and post at each location a comprehensive exposure control mitigation and recovery plan. You got to have that COVID-19 exposure control, mitigation and recovery plan. The plan must include policies regarding the following control measures, PPE utilization, yep, on location, physical distancing, hygiene, sanitation, symptom monitoring, incident reporting, location disinfection procedures, COVID-19 safety training, exposure response procedures, and a post-exposure incident project-wide recovery plan. Now, if you can figure out if any struggling business is going to be able to put all that together and hold it together, I think you are wildly, wildly misguided. All right, a copy of this plan must be available at the location and available for inspection by state and local authorities. So if somebody comes through your business, they can pretty much shut you down if you don't have all this stuff dialed in. So businesses be warned, you should probably make some kind of effort towards this. But I probably wouldn't make it a great effort. Because I think so much of this stuff is just going to be kind of it'll go by the, the wayside, like most governmental restrictions do. Failure to meet posting requirements will result in sanctions, including the location being shut down. Now, I see the reason a location would be shut down is if you had an outbreak that can be traced there. All right. So if you have somebody that gets sick at your workplace, you better do a Johnny in the hustle and have all this stuff set up like overnight. Get this stuff dialed in. It's go time. Because you might get looked into, there might be, especially with the tracing going on, you're going to have to be aware that they're going to come looking and anybody, oh, did this person work at your work? They work in your workplace? Yeah. All right. Who'd they come in contact with? Well, this person, this person, this person, and they're going to go through immediately, do testing. I and mean, that's kind of what we're hearing. 
All right, so COVID-19 safety information and requirements such as CDC, Department of Health, OSHA posters, and the employer-owner written policies for COVID-19 shall be visibly posted at each location. All right, so you've got the authorized, this is one of the ones that I thought was kind of interesting. Authorized access to the business should primarily be through the front door, not the side door, not three quarters of the way back, and definitely not the back door, no back door. There's no back door access with COVID-19. That is not acceptable. We can't have that. I mean, I kind of get it. You don't want a bunch of people running around. So close off those doors. If, if you've got like this wild traffic pattern, they're basically saying, hey, keep it to the front door. But I just found it so interesting. How about just through one main door, not the front door? Um, but then I wouldn't be able to say no back door. So, all right, you have to minimize the number of persons waiting in the waiting area. What does that mean? How many? We know they got to stay six feet apart, but minimize. You are not minimized. That's a group of three. That's not minimal because two meets minimal. Three, no go. Four, definitely. Whew, not a good thing. You have to arrange furniture to encourage social distancing with at least six feet between individual seats. Is that really social distancing? Because I can talk to somebody. Darian's like 12 feet away. Darian, can you hear me? Yep. yep, Darian can hear me. So we're not socially distanced, even though we're, you know, probably double 12, you know, the six feet. Um, you have to identify and control choke points and high risk areas at locations where employees or clients may typically congregate so that social distancing is always maintained. Consider relocating from small areas into larger rooms to accommodate more rooms for social distancing. That is fine if you've got a large business and a lot of office space, but for most smaller businesses, it can be tight. I've seen a lot of businesses work in a really small area and guess what? They don't have a ton of options on where to go. It kind of is what it is. And that's what a lot of small business is. It's make do with what you've got because that's what's most affordable and you run with it. A lot of these guidelines are like, uh, yeah, we are not Boeing. We are not Microsoft. We're not Google. Therefore, we're probably not going to be able to do a lot of this stuff. You have to ensure frequent and adequate hand washing with adequate maintenance of supplies. Again, that's a, that's a heavy requirement. Use single-use disposable gloves. They go through that whole thing and discard them after a single use. All right. But for most attorneys, I don't think they're going to be in a situation where they need to use disposable gloves. I know as a real estate guy, I certainly don't because we're not touching anybody ever. We're just not doing that. Um, you know, if, if you have a real wild card person, they might do a fist bump, but that, I mean, you got to break the six feet distance, social distancing platform to do that. No, that's a no go. You have to establish a housekeeping schedule again, that includes frequent cleaning and sanitizing with a particular emphasis on commonly touched services. They're really hammering this fact home. Keep guest occupancy at 50% of maximum building occupancy or lower with the exception of one-to-one -one service in a fully enclosed service room. What? Uh, tissues and trash cans must be made available throughout the work site. You got to have tissues. Why tissues? I don't know. And trash cans? All right. I understand if you're going to have tissues, you got to be able to throw them away somewhere. You don't want to have a tissue with the COVID on it and just have it sitting out. I mean, 
somebody might come up and lick that. I don't know. It's hard to say. You got to restrict access where unauthorized visitors may enter, most specifically back of the house doors and entry points. There we go back to the back door. No more back door. Can't have it. The employer must increase frequency of HVAC system filter changing. I think that's one thing they could actually do. So instead of every six months, you go with three months. Maybe you go with once a month. Does the HVA systems, do they catch the COVID? We don't really know. And that's why so much of this stuff is not based on any scientific explanation. It's just kind of what we're coming up with in order to feel better about going to work. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Because none of this stuff has any scientific basis behind it. You have to ensure restrooms are frequently cleaned and appropriately disinfected throughout the day. So what is appropriately disinfected throughout the day? Is that once an hour? Three times an hour? I don't know. It's not sure. Then we go through face shields or sneeze guards. All right. Post a notice for walk-up guests regarding access to the facility. I think most people do that already. Most businesses do that already. Um, and then you go through this whole protocol if service is available. Gatherings of any size must be prevented by taking breaks, performing activities, and lunch in shifts. Anytime two or more persons must meet, ensure a minimum six feet of separation. All right. So you got to take breaks, perform activities, and lunch in shifts. That's when you're not so busy changing out the soap, getting the tissues ready to go, you know, working on the face shields, the face masks cleaning the air cleaner, all this stuff. Uh, that's when you're not doing that. You got to do stuff in a, in a break and uh, you got to take breaks. So no more than one person per vehicle for any necessary travel that aren't part of the same household. All right, that's fair enough. But you've got a lot of companies where they ride around in one rig. How are you going to do that? Like uh, just so many businesses I can think of. And this kind of applies to so many soap and running water should be abundantly provided at all locations for frequent hand washing. Employees should be encouraged to leave their workstations to wash their hands regularly before and after all client interactions before and after going to the bathroom. All right, so somebody's going to need to monitor washing your hands before and going to the bathroom. That's got to be done before and after eating and after coughing, sneezing or blowing their nose. So you've got a governmental requirement to wash your hands after you blow your nose. This is this is getting kind of wildly out of control. Never mind sneezing um, or eating. So after you eat, you got to go wash your hands. Hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol must be available and distributed throughout the facility. Increase the number of hand sanitizing stations throughout the facility. Ensure cleaning supplies are frequently replenished. Ensure supplies are available in company vehicles as well. All right. Okay. I think we can do that. And then you got to post a bunch of stuff and you got to work on cleaning up the workstations, keyboards, telephones, handrails. Machines, shared tools, elevator control buttons and doorknobs covering the mouth and nose when coughing. When the pandemic first went down, I went through my office and started cleaning these general surfaces and it took a while. And so for a big office, there's no way you're going to be able to keep up with all this stuff. You just can't do it. It's not possible. So what it comes down to is, is when you go back to work, know that if you really believe that you're at risk, there's a chance you might get this virus. That's just something you kind of need to deal with. All of the safety protocol, I don't think it really helps because the virus, 
this virus seems to be a highly infectious one. And if it wants to get you, it kind of will. That's my broad oversimplification of that. Uh, and it goes on to more cleaning uh, surfaces. You got to screen your employees at the beginning of the day by asking, oh, this is a sick employee plan. This is different. It's number 23. And screen all employee service providers at the beginning of the day by asking if they have a fever, cough, shortness of breath, fatigue, muscle aches, or new loss of taste or smell. How about, hey, if you have any of these symptoms, don't come to work. Just don't come. Because what kind of moron, knowing that this pandemic has gone on, is going to go to work and they're going to show up, oh, I've got this cough, but if my boss doesn't ask me about it, I'm just going to kind of keep doing it. I don't think anybody that's reasonable is going to do that. So to be so micromanaged is just kind of silly. And you need to ask your service provider, employee or service provider to take their temperature at home prior to arriving at the business or take their temperature when they arrive, preferably with a no-touch temperature thing. So elevated temperature can be an indicator of a lot of things, not just COVID-19. So you can get that from a ton of other stuff. And if you have that, what's going to happen? Is that going to trigger some kind of major protocol? I don't know. I'll have to find out. And then you got to create policies uh, to figure out when people need to stay at home or leave the location when experiencing. All right. So that's offices. Let's jump on in to personal services, which is cosmetologists, hairstylists, barbers, estheticians. It's my favorite. Master estheticians, better than just estheticians, manicurists, nail salon workers, electrologists. I don't even think I know what that is. Permanent makeup artists, tattoo artists, all right, cosmetology schools, and aesthetic schools. So those guys basically have to go through the first half of all the stuff that I talked about with offices. It's just kind of all uh, basic policy. Um, and then when it gets into the specifics, I'm going to read the specifics. All linens, towels, drapes, smocks must be laundered in accordance with uh, Washington code, whatever it is. And I think that's probably already in place where you got to clean your stuff uh, appropriately. Um, that's to do with basically the beauty business. Um, got to have disinfectants available. Here's when it starts to get interesting. Clean and disinfect high touch surface areas after each use, including reception area, personal work stations, mirrors, chairs, headrests and armrests, dryers, shampoo bowls, hand tools, other equipment, handrails, restrooms, and break rooms using soapy water followed by the appropriate disinfectants. Porous and soft surface tools cannot be disinfected and must be used once and then discarded. So let's jump back to a couple of things there. All right, so restrooms and break rooms. After each use, you got to clean the whole thing just where they were sitting, just that area. Your restrooms, that makes no sense. You got to use soapy water, not just regular hot water, but soapy water, followed by the appropriate disinfectants. All right. What scientific evidence is based? Does any of this stuff get supported by? Probably none. The shampoo bowl etiquette includes covering the face of the client with a towel while shampooing to protect their mouth, nose, and eyes. I, I don't even know about that. If these areas cannot be cleaned and disinfected frequently, the personal service business shall be shut down until such measures can be achieved and maintained. 
and or if they happen to have somebody get infected with coronavirus, then they're going to get shut down. I and mean, that's, that's kind of what we're saying here, right? Any personal service businesses must adhere to social distancing requirements and have six feet of space between booth stations or have physical barriers between them. All right, but if you've got a very small like um, salon and they're packed in and their business model is based upon being packed in, this isn't going to work just like the restaurants. This is where I think this is just a fail. You got to figure out a little bit better how to do this, but I don't think we're going to because we've got this whole six foot of space between human beings. Who knows? Human machine interfaces such as keyboards, buttons, etc., must be sanitized and disinfected between users. Standard tools like brooms, mops, and vacuums need to be sanitized and disinfected after each use, especially between two separate users. So if the same person does it, you don't have to do it especially. But if you got two different people cleaning, watch out, more cleaning necessary. So not only are you cleaning all the, these areas, you are now cleaning your cleaning supplies and your stuff. You got to develop a protocol for any physical sign-off requirements to avoid close contact and limit the common use of writing instruments. Don't hand that pen over. I think we kind of know that. I mean, if used, writing instruments should be sanitized and disinfected after each use. Or figure out a way not to use a writing instrument. Go digital, use your phone, something like that. To the degree possible, assign employees to small groups and assist them to designated separate bathrooms and break, room, break rooms. Don't most companies have just like one set of bathrooms and one break room? And if you're talking about big, massive companies, yeah, I get that. So spread them out as best you can. In order to obtain social distancing, stagger days, shifts, shift changes, breaks, and meals to avoid group. I think that only works for super small segment of businesses. Provide additional break seating as needed with greater distancing outside if possible. Send everybody outside. I think everybody's going to want to get out of these onerous requirements to take whatever breaks they are, right? Or they're just going to try and stay home. I know Jack Dorsey of Twitter just basically said, you know what? Our employees can kind of work from home for forever. That's where he's at. And with this kind of stuff, unless you got to go back to your to your workspace, and I, and I totally understand in the case where personal services, these places have to go back because all their equipment and stuff is there. It's like the dentist. They don't have any option. You can't work from home. Hey, come on over. Let me pull your tooth in my garage. It, it'll be okay. I'm a licensed dentist. Might hurt a little bit more than normal, but we'll still get her done. Don't worry. I'm licensed. This will be okay. Um, and I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying that's a a gross example of how you can't run some of these businesses from home. But so many of them, especially in the first ones, accountants, architects, attorneys, engineers, they basically just need a computer and a phone line, right? All right. So you got to in increase ventilation rates where feasible, evaluate ventilation and utilize UV filters with the higher Merc rate rating. Has that been proven to eradicate the coronavirus? I don't know. It sure sounds good, but I don't know if there's any scientific evidence. Again, we go back to tissues and trash cans. Got to have those around. Um, all right. And so here's, so I'm kind of over ranting about those requirements. And here we're moving on to the requirements of um, clients. The client must self-screen. So if you are a client showing up for a hair appointment, 
or a tattoo, know that these might be some of the things you're going to deal with. Must self-screen for signs and symptoms of COVID-19 before arriving at the self at the service provider location. Well, I don't think you're going to show up in public if you've got any of the the dreaded Rona symptoms. Are you? I mean, if you do, you're just a moron. So clients should not plan on bringing other guests with them unless they're bringing children younger than 16 for an appointment. All right, you got young kids, you can't just leave them at home, got to bring them in, maybe they stay out in the waiting room. I'm probably not going to bring my kids around. If I had young kids, I'm probably not going to bring them around anywhere, unless I have to. And that's the reality. So don't plan on bringing guests, don't bring your husband, wife, girlfriend, whatever, boyfriend. Um, clients should advise personal service providers via call, email, or text that they've arrived at the location for the appointment and are waiting for instructions to enter. So we're probably going to have to go through like some kind of text protocol. Hey, I'm here. I'm waiting outside. Let me in when you're ready. That kind of thing. All right. So they can control the in and out of the business. And then that way you can't sneak in through the back door. Don't want that. Clients should put on a face mask prior to leaving the vehicle. So before you get out of your car, got to put on a face mask. And they should be prepared to wash their hands for at least 20 seconds prior to starting their services. All right, so before you get out of the car, face mask on, inside, wash your hands for 20 seconds prior to getting your service. There's a whole protocol here. You got to follow this stuff closely. Uh, the service provider will wear a clean cape or gown as well as providing each client with a clean cape or gown. So I'm used to going into Jean Juarez here in Bellevue, Washington, and my service provider, Abby, doesn't wear, she wears normal clothes. So when you go in now, you're going to be wearing something different. It's going to be some big masked cape crusader thing. I don't know. They must be laundered as noted above or be disposable and thrown away after a single use. This disposable stuff is super expensive. This is another onerous cost that businesses are going to have to take and figure out if they can make it work. Um, it's kind of like restaurants under Governor Inslee's plan. You're going to have to give each each restaurant is going to have to log in each guest, not the person that is making the reservation, but each guest. And each guest is going to have to provide phone number, their name, and their email address. But don't worry, this information is going to get expunged after 14 days. By who? Is each business going to be up to it? Or is the state going to come in and take it away and expunge it themselves? We're not really sure. But don't worry, your information is safe with us. It'll be okay. It, and so that is going to take at least a single person alone for restaurants to scramble around and get all these people's information before they can, you know, take an order. I mean, it's just this, this stuff is just crazy. Payments for service should be through credit or debit cards or a touchless system to reduce the handling of cash. So we know that COVID-19 lasts on plastic services for up to three days and on cardboard for, I think, one day. How long does it last on cash? I don't know, but there's probably a lot of cash out there with Rona on it, right? Probably. All right, and then we go into walk-in appointments, and then you've got the sick employee plan. It's kind of the same and I, I get the sick employee plan for healthcare people because there you don't want somebody with COVID-19 breathing on you while they're cutting your hair. I get that. But, you know, we've got Bob Martin up in Snohomish, Washington. He's just been cutting hair willy-nilly. Has anybody had an outbreak 
from going and getting their hair cut there. I haven't heard a single thing. So he's literally cut hundreds of people's hair, right? And no dreaded Rona outbreak hasn't happened. So how much of this stuff is just overblown CYA by the government? I think a lot. But for small businesses, if you want to get back up and running, you got to follow the protocol. You got to play ball and do the best you can. I don't know how much of this stuff I'll be able to get to. I mean, I'm not following most of it now. So why would I change my ways? Maybe because I get hurt in this podcast, somebody comes in and takes a look. I don't know. But yeah, we'll definitely be working on some of this um, stuff just because I think some of it is not a bad call, um, just safety and health wise. But so much of it, if you followed everything to the, the letter of the law, you wouldn't get any business done. You know, you'd show up at eight o'clock in the morning and by six o'clock at night, you'd be ready to go home and all right, we're ready to see our first customer. Ah, oh, all we did was safety protocol each day. Just couldn't get her done. So that is about it for my phase two personal services and professional services COVID-19 requirements. And if you have any questions on this, just Google uh, wa.gov.coronavirus forward slash workplace. And you'll get a whole bunch of links to a whole bunch of places with whole bunch of rules. So you can follow those rules or not follow those rules. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast on our podcast platforms and watching on YouTube. Again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And stay safe out there and work on your protocols. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.